Well, good morning, church. Um, Pastor Michael, I need my clicker. Does uh, we'll be in the book of Luke this morning? And does anybody need a story Bible? We have free Bibles to give away, and um, we'll be in Luke chapter twenty-four. We're going to talk about a certain stranger this morning at the end of Luke. But before we get started, anybody recognize the picture up or on the screen? Raise a hand. Hannah does. Todd does. Anybody else? Raven does. What is that? What's that? Declaration of Independence. How many people know of the Declaration of Independence? They graduated high school and civics and all that stuff, and you really loved it, and you applauded it, and you got to graduate, right? How many of you read it? You've read it? How many of you really know it? Miss Sue does, and I'm so glad she's here. <laughs> and Hannah knows it. It's one thing to read it, and it's another thing to know it. I must say that I am aware that the Constitution exists, but I have not ever sat down and read it from front to back. How many of you could say the same thing this morning? I'm not trying to, Frank, you know, Tommy? Yeah, that's exactly what you want to do on a Friday at 7.30 p.m. Hey, can let's read the Constitution together. Now, part of our jobs, we have to know things and study it and really know it. <clears throat> Especially if you're the authority on Mopar and the firing order of a Hemi. You probably know that. I don't know that stuff. I just know that the thing fires. And if you mix up spark plug wires, things go badly. Now, how many of you have played soccer, Baseball or golfed? Okay, you have? <clears throat> now, golf, I picked that up late. Who knows all the rules to golf? That's crazy. How do you learn this stuff? You smack it and then you got the toe wedge. You know, that's not necessarily in the rules. We learn these things, soccer and baseball, before we get Little League. How many of us as parents have taken a group of kids and sat down with the rule book and said, read this, you'll know how to do it? Never? How many of you have been in the workplace where the employer said, hey, go ahead and do it, and at the end of the day, I'll tell you if you did it right or not? Right. So we, there's these things in life, do we really know about them? And as we come to Easter this morning, do we really know what Jesus was all about? Do we really know? Do we have certainty about Jesus? So we're in the book of Luke, and Luke starts out the beginning of the book. Hey, I'm this intelligent guy, he's his doctor, and he wants to write a book. And he wants to correctly and accurately log that which Jesus did. And at the beginning of the book, Luke says, hey, I want to compile a narrative of Jesus' life. I want to log this down. I want to record this. So he writes this book for this guy named Theophilus. And we get to look over his shoulder, this writing this morning. And he writes it and he says that he and we this morning may have certainty of the things that we've been taught. Luke 1.4. So Luke starts with this orderly account of Jesus' ministry. The wise man and Easter and we do these pageants. That's the book of Luke. So we start... With Jesus' birth, his early years, his launch into ministry, his battle early on with the temptation with Satan. And then we have three years of ministry where he made disciples. 
So let's this morning take Luke's account, why Luke's writing it, so we have an orderly account, we can have certainty about what he has written. And by the end of the book, what do we have? We got a small group of disciples, a traitor, and elite religious leaders in a fury. And it's these religious leaders who manipulate the judicial system, and Jesus dies. And he's buried. The cliff notes of the book of Luke. And the disciples are now hiding. And so two women, on Easter morning, go to the tomb expecting to deal with a dead body. But the stone is rolled away, and they're perplexed that Jesus is gone. And two angels ask, why do you seek the living among the dead? Don't you remember? Jesus told you this would happen. And the light starts coming on brighter for them. Like, yeah, I think he said that. And then they go. They do the first announcement of Jesus' resurrection was done by two women. The entire launching of ministry of Jesus' resurrection is launched by two women. Go women. Yes. So they go to these disciples who are in hiding, and how do they react? Whatever. Yeah, right. Robbie, you laughed at that. I mean, Debbie's here. I'm not going to laugh either. Your wife comes home with this news, guys, and she tells you something. You go... Okay. Right? So for certainty, what level of certainty does Jesus' work accomplish with the disciples by this point in the book? Jesus' birth, his ministry, he gets these disciples, they watch him do what things that Jesus does, they watch him go through this trial, they watch him get buried, they hear about the resurrection. What's their certainty chart? One being horrible, ten being completely assured for certain. What ranking would we give them this morning? One, two. This is the end of the book. You've got to be kidding me. Hold on. Jesus is going to answer this question. What level of certainty? Let's go to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. There's a stranger on the road. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to him, what things? And they said to him, concerning of Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in the word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. 
Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying they had never that they had seen a, even as they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Stop there. So there's this two guys on his walk, this long day's journey. I did some calculations this week. It's like getting your buddy, getting your friend, getting in the car and going somewhere in Louisiana. You're going to go 75 north, cut across 10 west. How many of you have been on those beautiful roads? 75 north. You can get two roads, two, one turn, and you're in San Diego. That's a long journey, right? So you're going to spend this long day with a friend. Do a seven-mile walk. It's a long Sunday drive discussing everything that's happened recently. And this incredible anticlimactic ending to your teacher's ministry. His death, burial, and supposed resurrection. Well, somebody draws near to them. Let me walk with you. Let's walk in the car. Let's ride in the car along with you. What's he doing? Life on life. Let me just hang with you. Let's do seven-mile walk together. Yeah, I'll get in a car with you. Let's ride in a Baton Rouge. What do you have a lot of? Time. So you guys are walking, and what do you do when you're hanging out with people? And you, and you over here, what are they talking about? The latest news. They just celebrated Passover. The city was in an uproar. They killed this guy. And I love the humor of the Bible. Jesus says, what things happen? And they're like, are you living underneath a rock and didn't hear what happened recently in Jerusalem? He's like, well, then tell me about it. Tell me the story, he asks. Let me hear what your thoughts are. So these two walkers make these comments. Jesus, uh, yeah, let me tell you about the Jesus guy. He was a guy that came from a little out-of-the-way town. Maybe Newbie's Corners? This Jesus guy could really get fired up and tell us get right with God or face the consequences. This Jesus guy really did some crazy, cool, miraculous stuff. This Jesus really knew his Bible. And he could draw a huge crowd. Now, our religious leaders couldn't stand him. And they condemned him and put him to death. But we had hoped that he was going to be our king, the king of the Jews. But that was three days ago. Oh, yeah, right. We almost forgot. There was these two women that came and said that he'd get raised from the dead and the tomb's empty. So we sent a couple guys to go check it out, and they said, sure enough, it's empty. Okay, there's ten things on the screen. What's their level of certainty? They got ten facts. The Scripture lists out ten facts about Jesus. This morning you might be like, yeah, I've heard of this Jesus guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard that he did some miraculous stuff. He turned water to wine. Yeah, I even heard he walked on the water. And he really could quote the Bible in really cool ways. Excellent guy. You know, like every good person, you know, the establishment gets mad with him. 
How many have heard people or this morning yourself know this facts about Jesus? These are 10 good facts. But up to this point, they have all the facts. They've experienced life with Jesus. They have first-hand account of Jesus doing these things. They participated with Jesus, listened to Jesus, and been around Jesus. Then after his resurrection, what level of certainty do they have about this risen king? Well, what was our answer before? Scale 1 to 10. Maybe a 1, maybe a 2. So you mean to tell me this morning, you know 10 really good facts about Jesus and have a level 1 or level 2 level of certainty about him. Every day of the week, just like we know the Constitution or we know the rules to golf. Yeah, I know about it. Never played the sport. Like, who's ever played cricket? Of course you have. You ruined my illustration. I mean, we know of these sports. Water polo. These other cool things. We know of them, but we ever experienced them. We might be able to list ten cool facts about something, but we have a level of certainty with it that's remedial at best. Here are two of Jesus' disciples that have walked with him, talked with him, seen these miracles, seen him buried, heard about the resurrection, and are not too sure. Where are we this morning? Where are you this morning? So Jesus responds to them. In Luke 25, Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. Let's pick up with what Jesus says after they spout off these 10 facts. Starting in verse 25 of chapter 24. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Stop there. What is Jesus' response to their level of certainty? He just heard ten cool things about himself, and how does he respond to them? You fool. Now, who here this morning would love Todd, show out. It's in the text. How many of you here would like to be called a fool this morning because you know ten really cool things about Jesus? Remember, these guys don't know that this is Jesus talking to them. Let the Word speak for itself. What's Jesus' perspective on their level of certainty this morning? You fools. How could you be a fool about Jesus when you know a ton about Him? Why would Jesus say that? Now, here's what I would have done. I just have to throw this in here. If I was God, I'd been with y'all for three years, and we'd done some hard stuff together, man. We'd done all this miraculous stuff. I was buried, I rose again from the dead, and you didn't recognize me? What do you think I would do? Bam! I know you would. What? You don't need to... But what does Jesus do? States the obvious. You dumb dummies. And your heart is slow to believe. You haven't got it yet. Here's two of his disciples. And what does he do? 
He opens up his story. He starts with Deuteronomy and the prophets. That's why we started with, we read Deuteronomy and Isaiah this morning. Jesus opens up the Bible and says, let me tell you my story. Where does he take them? Doesn't start at the beginning of Luke. He goes, all the way back, Genesis. I created. Deuteronomy. Remember when Moses said that a prophet would come after me? And these are people that grew up studying these Scriptures. They knew them. So Jesus is taking them on a remedial course on a Bible study. It blows my mind that Jesus Himself, instead of just zapping them and saying, hey, I'm God, look at me, I rose from the dead, He says, let's go back to what you have. He opens up His story. And guess what they are? They're still not certain. This morning, when we open up Scriptures, you learn about Jesus. You know these cool facts about Him. We've read Scripture. We're going through Luke. Can you sign off on, yeah, I know all that, and still not be certain of who He is? Yes, because even two of His own disciples are there. So He opens up the book about Himself. They had heard him. He gives them a refresher course, and they still don't get it. They're still living in the land of fool's facts. They've got it in their head. They remember it from a Sunday school class. They've heard it on the news. But Jesus doesn't leave them there. Move to Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 31. So they drew near the up so they ne- drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, "Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent." So we went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Seven miles later, what does Jesus do? Orders taken? You've you've traveled all day with your friends. you got this stranger with you. You've related everything that's just happened. And you get to where you're going. What do you want? You're hungry, right? So you've come, you're going from here to Baton Rouge. What are you going to get? Some Creole. You're going to get something to eat, aren't you? So Jesus is on this journey with them. And they're like, hey, buddy, you've got to stay with us. We've already walked all day long. What's Jesus doing? Continues the life on life with them. The ordinary, average thing that they're going to do, that's where Jesus meets them. When are their eyes open to recognize who Jesus is? Was it in the stories of the miracles? Was it in the history lesson of the recap of everything from the Old Testament that spoke about Jesus? When was it that their eyes were opened? Right in the ordinary average. Jesus has done all this time with them. Seven miles later, a day in the car, and through the ordinary average is when God opens their eyes. Was it the facts? that open their eyes. 
Was it Jesus taking him to the Scriptures and saying, this is who it is? You can explain it to somebody. Here's who Jesus is. The Scriptures say so. When does it happen? At dinner. At a table. Life on life. What are the effects of this? Let's pick up in verse 32. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, when he opened to us the Scriptures? And then they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Did not our hearts burn when we were driving in the car together? Did not our hearts burn when we went through the Scriptures with Jesus? God is working on their hearts in such a way when they look back on their story, they'll say, yeah, wasn't our hearts on fire? Now, what was their level of certainty when their hearts were on fire? One or two, three or four, maybe it's warming up some, but they sure haven't pegged the meter to ten. Their eyes are open at an ordinary event. And then they recount, Hey, we got to get back in the car and go back and tell everybody. The effects of coming to know Jesus are documented here. It wasn't just knowing 10 facts. It wasn't just, hey, he did a cool recap of the Old Testament for us. It was during an ordinary average meal that they come to know Jesus. And what do they do? They get back on the road and head back. Cancel the hotel reservations. The husband says, you can't do that. We're going to lose our deposit. No, they're like, let's go. we got to get back to Ocala. And they go back and say, the Lord has risen indeed. They share the message. Now look at this. Did not our heart burn? God is working in their lives before they come to know Jesus, before they recognize Jesus. It is one thing if you've come here this morning and said, wow, when they sang that song, it just made me want to cry. It was just powerful. When they started reading Scripture, didn't our hearts burn when that happened? Are you interacting with Jesus or do you like a little heartburn? I waited a long time to say that. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are here this morning and you're like, hey, I just need a little more to make it through the week. I'm cashing my checks in. I'm checking the marks in the box. Yeah, I went to church last week because it kind of helps us. It makes us feel better. Is that the same as having certainty of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? No, but it is part of the process. My challenge to you this morning, if you're burning inside because God is interacting with you, have you moved from walking with a stranger to walking with the Savior? Have your eyes been open to that? And here's how you can tell if you have. Your feet can't help but go. You become an ambassador for Jesus. He has interacted in our lives in such a way that I can't help but going back 
on a seven-mile journey to share the message that the Lord has indeed risen. That's the path to certainty. From head knowledge, then you got the heart on fire, then you got the feet and hands and mouth in motion. Where are you on that path? Because the path to certainty about Jesus has life changing results. You will live in such a way that is impacted, influenced, affected your way of life that your neighbors can see it. People around you can see it. You may know everything there is at your job site, but how do people around you know that you know that stuff? They come and ask you questions. Right? How do they know that you know Jesus? They see it in your character. They see it the way you walk. They hear what comes out of your mouth and how your hands and feet interact with your community. Do you know about Jesus this morning and all about Easter, but there's no results in your life? You'll have to answer this one for yourself. As the pastor here this morning, charged with preaching this text, I have to ask this question. Do you know for certain who Lord Jesus Christ is, or do you have heart and head knowledge that's just resounding out there in the way of, yeah, I kind of know about that. Do you know about Jesus and Easter, but not with certainty? And finally, for those of you who do, can you, who will you walk seven miles with this week? The Lord Jesus Christ is crucified, died, buried, comes alive, and what does He choose to do with this first day of being resurrected? Walk seven miles with two guys. Really? Just let that sink in for a second. You've come back to life. What are you going to do on your first day back? Go on a seven-mile walk? You've got an entire group of disciples hiding out, and what do you choose to do? Go for a walk with two people. Jesus is asking us to do the same. Are you willing to waste a seven-mile walk with two jokers that don't get it. Most of us would be like, no, I've told them. They've seen it. And where will God do oftentimes the miraculous of giving us certainty and opening in our eyes? The ordinary, average, everyday stuff. What does it take? T-I-M-E. Our greatest asset I don't care if you got a million in the bank or one dollar. Your time is the most valuable thing you own. Are you willing to give that to somebody and walk seven miles? Or is it all about you? Got me some Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah, he rose from the dead. See you all next week. Pastor, you're asking me to give up a seven-mile seven walk with people to hopefully they'll come to certainty about Jesus? Yeah, he did it. His first day back. Church, we're going to do this. We're going to lead the charge, and we're going to ask you a big question on how we're going to do this. But before we get there, here's another hard one. Are you allowing yourself to be the one people watch for seven hours. 
seven miles. A long trip in the car. Yeah, I know Jesus for certain. Hang out with me. To allow them into your life so they see how you handle marriage, job, balance checks, bouncing checks, paying the government their taxes. Did that this week. Let people into the ordinary average so they see you being a model of Jesus doing normal life outside of Sunday. Because any given Sunday, we can put on clothes, put on some deodorant. I think I did this morning. And show up. But it's a whole nother thing to do seven hours in the car with somebody. Will you allow somebody to sit in the car with you to walk the seven miles? Now finally... The big ask. The seven miles. Doing life on life. This year we're going to partner again with Hands of Mercy Everywhere. It's an organization right down the road in Bellevue where they take in young mothers who have either pregnant or just had babies. We're talking teenagers. And last year, we raised money for them with these bottles, and every family take one home. And we bought them a bunch of diapers, and we took the smoker over there, and we gave them a good meal. So as we were talking to them this week, we say, hey, what would you really, really need? And we're thinking, what do babies need? Diapers, baby wipes. We bought them a boatload of diapers and baby wipes. And guess what they responded with? We don't like hamburgers and hot dogs. Don't do that again. And we need bicycles. It's like, what? You know that meeting a person's need where they need to be met and not me thinking what their need is and how can we fill that? No, this is, the, hey, you asked us what we really need? Yeah, we really don't want hot dogs and hamburgers. The smoker was pretty, but we didn't like it. I'm like, ooh, okay. Second of all, we got plenty of that. We need bicycles. The girls can ride. Here's the big ask. You ready? Let's buy them bicycles. I do not want what did not sell in the garage sale to end up at this church building. Do you hear me? If your bicycle doesn't have a chain on it and the tires are always flat, that is not what we're giving them. Understand? I want to give them quality bicycles, and I want to give them a lot of them. The team has come together and it said, let's go big. Here's an example of a bicycle. We're going to work through this, and I like that model. Pastor Michael is going to start in on 1 Timothy, and guess how we're going to work between Easter and working with our community until Mother's Day? Getting bicycles. Take a bottle home. Where are the bottles? If you'd like to have a bottle, Pastor Michael, can you help me carry, pass these out? Who wants a bottle? This is offering over and above your normal giving. Okay? Over and beyond your normal giving, let us dig deep and give some bikes to Hands of Mercy everywhere down in Bellevue. Let us be 
the hands and feet of Jesus in our community to walk with those young girls and their staff. 